This episode brought to you by the Roster Up Media Network, home to tangible insights for the NFL and fantasy sports. Check us out at rosterupmedia.com. Welcome back to the Roster Up Podcast. I'm your host, Cody, and joining me today is an old college friend, Jeff Tolson. Jeff, how are you today? Hey, Cody. Doing pretty well, man. Thanks for having me, and uh, good to catch up. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a long time, man. Um, We got connected. You're a huge Ravens fan, so just kind of wanted to have you on, talk Ravens, and uh, get some strong opinions there. I know um, back in the day, that was one way everyone always stuck together was through sports where there's intramurals watching NFL football. Um, and you were definitely always a Ravens super fan. Uh, so I'm definitely pumped to have you on Now You are from the Baltimore area. Um, grew, grew up around there. Kind of tell me about growing up as a Ravens fan, growing up in that area. Was it just natural? Was your family Ravens fans or was it just kind of a regional thing? Yeah. So like you said, grew up in Baltimore, lived there till went to college, went to college for four years and came back, lived in Baltimore for a few years. And then now I'm up in Philly, but yeah, growing up parents, family, huge Ravens fans, huge Orioles fans as well. So all Baltimore sports. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I almost now that I think about it now that I'm 20, 25 years old, it's like, man, I missed, uh, I I wasn't thinking enough of watching Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, Terrell Suggs uh, when they were in their prime. So uh, growing up watching those guys, they were incredible. And then as I learned a little bit later on in life that um, I started paying more attention to football, understanding it more. I was like, man, I really uh, missed out on an opportunity to watch like three future Hall of Famers in their prime. So, uh, yeah, loved watching, loved watching Ravens football and loved really just uh, talking sports, talking football. Like you said, it's a great way to stay connected with the guys and uh, excited to talk some some Ravens tonight. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that was a pretty cool area era that you got to grow up in. Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, all those guys. Um, so, so why don't you why don't you tell me about the difference between the era then and now? Like, do you see some similarities between the current Ravens team relative to the old Ravens team? Do you think there's some differences? I mean, I know Lamar Jackson is the biggest difference, but even just from a culture and defensive standpoint, like, do you feel like they've been able to maintain that? Yeah, so they maintain, I would say, I would say parts, you know, the, the mm-hmm. Ravens are always going to be a, a defensive first team, no matter what, even the past couple of years, uh, Lamar Jackson comes in, lights the world on fire in, you know, 2018, 2019, still solid the year last year, but in the end, the Ravens are still going to be built, their identity is on defense, they're going to stop the run in the past few years, they've loaded up on their secondary between Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Chuck Clark back there at safety, so uh, there's always going to be uh, a defensive minded team, but like I said, the past couple of years, it has shifted a little bit, you know, you had the, the Super Bowl in 2012, obviously. And then I kind of consider from 2012 to like 2017, 2018, just kind of like some dark years, you know, the Ravens were fine. They had some decent years, uh, went to the playoffs a few years, but really once Flacco earned that contract, uh, that's it. He earned the contract and then he didn't live up to it. So there was kind of some some dark period there. And then come 2018, Ravens draft Lamar Jackson. And it is kind of a new era, a new era to an extent. You know, like I said, there's still going to be a defensive first team. But Lamar has brought in a little bit of a different uh, just attitude, swagger, uh, you could say. I mean, as a fan, when the Ravens drafted Lamar, it was like, 
all right, you know, Flacco won us a Super Bowl, huge fan, always will be, but the Ravens needed a spark that Lamar Jackson brought. So it's been really neat these last three years. Uh, lots of Ravens fans, I feel like I've come out of the woodworks just because they're the Lamar Jackson fans, which has been neat to see uh, mm-hmm. kind of how he's transformed the franchise, really, uh, and just kind of become so viral on social media and things like that. So um, it's an interesting time to be a Ravens fan, man. I have to say it's it's again like I, I wish I was knew more about football back in like the early 2000s when those guys I mentioned were dominating. But now it's an exciting time. We went from having, again, the, those post-Super Bowl Flacco years where it was a, always a great defense, but you never knew what you were going to get on offense, to now it's like, okay, the Ravens are still built defensively. They're built to win, but we actually had both sides of the ball now. So it's an exciting time to be a Ravens fan. So in regards to Lamar Jackson, kind of going back to draft night, um, I ask a lot of these guys that come on that are fans of teams with polarizing quarterbacks, whether it's the Josh Allens, Daniel Jones of the world. Did you at the time, now you said uh, they needed a spark. Is that how you felt in the moment when they drafted Lamar? Were you thinking, yes, um, I'm a fan of this. We need this spark or, you know, just your unbiased opinion at the time. Uh, what did you think about the draft pick and that uh, selection? Yeah. So honestly, I love the pick. Like I said, it uh-huh. was the Ravens were, they were, they were, they were boring to watch, frankly, as a fan of the team, their offense, it was just stale. <laughs> so, um, you know, I can't say I watched the Mar Jackson film in college. You know, I wasn't a huge, like, I didn't know exactly who we were drafting in terms of what the Mar was going to bring as a pro. Obviously he was electric in college. You know, you saw all the highlights in, you know, Lamar is an interesting guy, right? He he's the youngest, he was, he was the youngest to ever win the Heisman Trophy, you know, one of his true sophomore season in college. So obviously the guy's talented, extremely talented, had a great, you know, junior year at Louisville. Then coming up to the NFL draft, it's like, is this guy a quarterback? Is this guy a wide receiver? Obviously you mm-hmm. heard all the talk. So when the Ravens drafted him, I was kind of like, okay, uh, I, I, I love the pick. I love, we, this is what we need. I wasn't entirely sure how it was going to work out. You know, it was like, Obviously, as polarizing as he was, he had so many questions, but I said, hey, you know, like, I think a lot of Ravens fans feel the same way. They were just saying, all right, you know, let's do this. We, we had our Flacco years, we won us a Super Bowl, but the past, you know, four or five years, it's just, it was clear that Ravens needed a spark, they needed to move on, and that, you know, they, it was, it's interesting. They had the, I think that was, so it was 2018, I think they had the 16th pick in the draft. They traded back once, which the Ravens are known to do, traded back to 22, then I think they traded back a second time to get to 25. They actually took Hayden Hurst, who a couple of years, decent tight end, got traded to the Falcons. And then, you know, you think at that point, the draft draft runs so long. It's like 11, 1130 at night. I'm kind of like dozing off on the couch. And then the Ravens actually traded back into the first round at 32 to take Lamar. And it was like, wow, like totally caught me by surprise. Didn't think they were going to pull the trigger, but they did. And I loved it. And it's I would say it's worked out pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they're a very smart organization as well, and they've really built around him. Um, I'm assuming you're a fan of how they've built around him, but you did you kind of expect them to just customize an offense to maximize his strengths? So, yeah, great, great question. Loved how they built around him, but I don't think I, and most Ravens fans probably would agree, realized the extent that they would build around him. So, I remember going into 2019, uh, Lamar in 2018, he kind of came into those last like six, seven games. I think he went six and one down the stretch, actually led the Ravens to win the division and then had the Chargers loss. That was pretty brutal. 
uh, just to put it, to put it frank, but going into 2019, John Harbaugh came out and said like, what we're going to do on offense, it's going to be revolutionary. We're going to do something that pretty much has never been seen before. And I think a lot of people were like, okay, you know, what, what, what does he have? What's, what does he have that we don't know? And then the Ravens come out in 2019 and absolutely light the world on fire. They had the week one win versus Miami, like 59 to 10. Lamar throws five touchdowns uh, in that game. And really what they did was they, they set the single season rushing yard. It finished with like 3,200 rushing yards as a team. And I think after that season, people realized, well, with Lamar at quarterback, he brings what he brings with his legs, what he can do with his arm. It's going to be something the NFL has never seen before. So uh, I love what they've done. I love the commitment to the run. Uh, I was, I think, listening to a podcast recently, and Sean McVay was talking about, he said something along the lines of uh, 80% of turnovers happen on dropbacks. So whether that's an interception, whether that's a strip sack, fumble, whatnot, 80% of uh, turnovers happen on dropbacks. And I think what the Ravens are built to do, obviously, is run the ball. Obviously, there's you know, some questions about the, uh, the passing attack that you know, I'm sure we might get into later. But what the Ravens do in terms of consistently churning out five, six, seven yards of rush, whether it's Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, or the Mar keeping it himself, consistently picking up yards on the ground, moving the ball downfield, uh, it brings a really high floor to the Ravens. That's why they've won a lot of games as Lamar Jackson has he's been the starting quarterback. So I think it's extremely smart, like you said, how they've built so much around him. And it, it might not be the most exciting, you know, brand of football to watch. I, I understand that. But uh, as I said, it brings a really high floor in terms of consistently being able to move the ball down the field eat up clock and put points on the board. And I think uh, for the Ravens, it's just a matter of, can they be a little bit more efficient? Can they be a little bit better uh, in the passing game to kind of uh, to balance that out? Because obviously you're going to run into some problems as the Ravens have the past few seasons when you, you know, teams are stopping the run, but um, yeah, love what they've done in terms of building around the Mar. I can't say that I expected this, you know, even after that record breaking year last year, they still ran for over 3000 yards as well. So it's first time NFL history. Any teams ever ran for 3000 yards back to back season. So obviously they're doing something right and they're not far off from obviously. I mean, I would say most people would say the Ravens are a Super Bowl contender. Obviously they have to, you know, maybe hit that next level, but they're not too far off. Yeah, I think it's just depends on that next step that uh, whether or not Lamar Jackson can take that next step as a passer. Um, I do think that's kind of what's missing from the Ravens for them to take that leap. And Lamar is still very young. He's very young coming out of college. Do you believe in him in terms of taking that leap as a passer? I do. Uh, I, I do. A lot of people looked at Lamar in 2020 and said it was a down year, which it probably was for Lamar. It probably was a down year coming off a 2019 unanimous MVP. But a lot of people, I think, didn't realize what happened in 2019 going ahead to 2020. Um, for me, I look at it as, well, you had uh, probably a Hall of Famer right guard retire and the Ravens in Marshall Yonda and the Ravens didn't really replace them on the offensive line. So um, kind of had a couple, you know, late round draft picks in there at, at center and and right guard was a revolving door with Ben Powers and then Ronnie Stanley gets hurt. So midseason. So you have some offensive line issues and then you look at his weapons. So, you know, 2019 has his awesome year. 
but kind of took the lead by storm. And then you look at his weapons and it's like, well, this guy doesn't like if, if defenses can figure him out and, you know, limit the run game a little bit, who is he throwing to Marquise Brown is, you know, solid. Mark Andrews is a, is a pretty good tight end. But other than that, it was, you know, Willie Sneed and miles Boykin and guys like that who really, <laughs> they're not, they're not scaring defenses. So I say that I, I bring that up because, you know, you lose a potential hall of famer at right guard, you don't have a lot of weapons around them. It wasn't hard to see the Mar taking a step back next or uh, last year, but looking forward to your question, uh, can the Mar take the next step? I would say this is the time is now, you know, this year for the Mar is a huge year um, to the points I made about reasons why he's maybe struggled last year. They have addressed the offensive line a little bit and we might, you know, get into that later. They have added some weapons Rashad Bateman, Sammy Watkins might get into those guys later, but um, I think they've put, uh, the weapons around them, they've put the offensive line in front of him to to take that next level. And I think for me, the biggest thing is, you know, Lamar Jackson, he's not going to be a guy to throw for 4,500 yards. He's not going to throw for 50 touchdowns like some guys might. Um, but the Ravens just need Lamar to be consistent and efficient. I would say are the two biggest things. If he can consistently uh, hit those second and eights and second and tens when the Ravens get stuffed on first down when they run. And if he can just be efficient, you know, the Ravens, everyone says like they, they had the fewest uh, passing yards in the league by far last year. Well, yeah, that's what happens when you run the ball as much as they do, but their efficiency, it ranked like 16th in the NFL in terms of picking up yards when they actually do throw the ball. So I just think for, for the Mar, if he can just get a little bit more consistent, if he can hit a couple more deep, uh, deep passes, some chunk plays to pick up yards down the field, that's all the Ravens really need to take that next level. And uh, again, I think the Mar has the weapons and on paper, at least the line should be better in front of them. That was an issue for him this last year. He just, to me, it looked like he had no confidence. He was getting rid of the ball so quick because he had guys in his pocket. So this year is it, this is a huge year. I think after this year, we'll really be able to say, okay, we kind of know what Lamar Jackson is as a quarterback in the NFL. And uh, I'm super excited to watch and see to see what he does, because like I said, I think they put the pieces around him for him to succeed. And now it's just up to him to go out there and do it. The depth of Ravens knowledge is unreal. I think people can realize why why we're having you on the, this episode tonight. Um, so there's a few things I want to unpack right there. We're definitely going to get into the offensive line. Um, third, uh, number three ranked offensive line on pro football focus a couple years ago, dropped to number 23 last year. You covered some of those losses, uh, Ronnie Stanley getting hurt. So the offensive line really needs to balance out, especially that style of offense. Adding Rashad Bateman, a uh, solid plus there, opens up the middle of the field for Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown. In my opinion, he's being one-on-one. He, he, he cannot be the number one receiver, just not that style of play. But there is something I want to get your opinion on, okay, just in terms of how the Ravens might adjust after some defenses were able to stack the boxes on them last year and kind of in the, in the playoffs at the end of the 2019 season, I believe when the chargers uh, kind of figured them out a little bit. So one thing I want to um, ask you is, so last year, their rushing performance on first down, the rushing performance had a 51% success rate on third down. The rushing performance had a 64% success rate. So really solid on third downs overall, averaging eight yards per carry. Um, however, Lamar Jackson's passing on first down, he had a 55% success rate uh, with a 105.1 rating third downs, 36% success rate, 86.9 rating. Um, 
I never have a problem with some of these teams that get creative running the ball. I think you look at some of these teams that are really bad. They just run it up the gut. I know I've talked about that with the Jets. You know, there's no creativity in the run game. You can. I prefer to, to air it out personally. I prefer my teams to throw the ball, sure. um, be a little more creative that way, spread it out. But you can run the ball. And I think the Ravens are very creative, and they can be fun to watch for a team uh, that wants to embody that physical uh, run first mentality. You know, I know you mentioned that sure. brand can be boring to watch, but the Ravens have some exciting athleticism. However, do you kind of value or benefit throwing on first downs, but still running the ball um, 60 plus percent of the time? Is that it? Yeah. So I, I think for, for, for the Ravens, it's, it's finding the right balance. So you're, you're going to run a lot on first down, but I look at a team, I think a team that, is a run first team, but had a great balance last year. It was Tennessee. You watched the Titans. Obviously, Derrick Henry is an absolute. He's a monster. He's a beast. There aren't words to describe him. But you look at what they do. Their play calling. Um, what uh, what what they did. They would they would go play action on first down, and then they would pound the rock and run it on second and third, and then play action again. So I, I think their play calling is something that a lot of Ravens fans. I know Ravens fans on Twitter would. Uh, Greg Roman, he's a he's a hot he's a he, a lot of, a lot of hot takes about Greg Roman, but I bring that up to say I think the Ravens they just need a little bit more balance. They were so predictable last year, running the ball as you said on first down, and then it was like okay if uh, if the team sniffs that out and it's second and ten, more often than not the Ravens they, Lamar wasn't able to to pick on a consistent basis to hit on those passes to move the chains. So I think the Ravens need to be a little bit more of willing to to pick up uh, a, a six yards a six yard check down but that 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 pass that uh opens the door for the running game that teams maybe can't stack the box as much they can't put eight nine guys in the box when you're willing to throw on first down so i think again that's that's a, a huge step for the ravens this year if they can just consistently pick up those seven eight nine ten yard passes downfield whether they're quick hitters to to mark andrews over the middle or what rashad bateman can do as well i think uh, you just got to be a little bit more balanced. You can't consistently expect to be able, even though, again, it's been a historically good running game. Teams are eventually, if you're continuing to just run the ball on first down, second down, second and three, you know, that, that's great. But teams are going to stop you eventually. And that's what's going to take the Ravens to the next level is being a little bit more unpredictable and a little bit more willing. I think sometimes the Ravens as an offense, they, they just haven't been willing to to uh, to have Lamar make some deep throws or some difficult throws even. You watch this tape in Louisville or even just some of his highlights, the guy can throw the ball. And he hasn't fully shown that in the NFL. So I think uh, it takes Greg Roman just becoming a little bit more creative as a play caller and really just giving Lamar the opportunity to, uh, to spread the ball around to those new weapons that you know we talked about and becoming a little bit more unpredictable. Like you said, it just has to be a little bit. Like they have a 37% pass rate on first downs, but again, that success rate is 55% and a 105.1 passer rating. And uh, all of those um, are above league average, of course, except for the pass rate. The pass rate is sure. well below league average, but that doesn't have to tick up a time. Like you said, just a little bit ticking up right there. You have these teams, I thought, always thought Arthur Smith, even though the Titans will just run it down your throat. Derrick Henry is impossible to tackle. He was very creative with just how he utilized pre-snap motion, play action. Um, they were just a very efficient offense. But you did mention Greg Roman being a polarizing figure, especially to Baltimore fans. How do you view him? So what Greg Roman has done, again, it's been historically good, right? Like we mm -hmm. can't, as Ravens fans, we can't complain too much with 
I mean, 2018, Greg Roman actually wasn't calling plays the Mars first year when he came in at the end of the year, but then was promoted to offensive coordinator 2019. Ravens, I mean, the 2019 season was like a dream, except we didn't win the Super Bowl. But what they did, they put up great numbers. And even last year, it was a solid year, uh, made it to the playoffs, got that first, you know, playoff win. But I, I'm a fan of Greg Roman. Uh, again, he, his running game, he's always had a really solid running game, whether it was in San Francisco or then in Buffalo with Tyrod Taylor as his quarterback. So uh, the guy can consistently design well, uh, well-designed running plays. It's just a matter of, as we said, he just needs to get a little bit more creative in the passing game, being a little bit uh, just not so predictable. And one thing, one area that I think is going to help him is that uh, this offseason – the Ravens, their their uh, wide receivers coach, I think he was also like past game specialist, David Culley, got hired to be Houston's head coach. And that was a name where no one really expected the, the Ravens receivers. Again, they ranked Ravens passing game ranked last last season in, in yards per game. So why is Houston hiring this guy to be their head coach? I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> uh, people say he's, you know, he's a great leader, a great character guy, and that's great. But anyway, his uh, departure opened up a couple staffs on the on the coaching staff and they John Harbaugh actually went into the college ranks, uh, hired a couple uh, Keith Williams and T Martin guys who uh, have worked uh, with a lot of high caliber uh, NFL receivers like Tyree Hill, Devonte Adams. These guys were their personal or their personal wide receivers coach. So I think what they can bring from the college game in their in their high attack college offenses to the Ravens, uh, a lot of Ravens fans are really hoping that these guys and uh, having some new blood, you know, some new eyes on the system will be able to kind of, um, just bring some new aspects to the offense that there might be lacking. So uh, to answer your question, I am a Greg Roman fan. He has put up just consistently very great numbers from the running game. And it just needs to take, again, it seems like a theme a little bit, but it's just taking that next step, becoming a little bit uh, of a more efficient passing attack to really, to, to wrap it all up. Mm, that's going to be interesting to watch this year. Um, in regards to the passing attack, Rashad Bateman, first round selection this year. Um, I thought he was a very good prospect coming out of Minnesota. Your thoughts on the Bateman selection? Yeah, liked it. Liked it a lot. I, I remember having his name pop up. I think it was his sophomore season in Minnesota. Put up huge numbers, well over 1,000 yards. I think he averaged like 19 yards per catch. So really, really great numbers his sophomore year that put him on the map. And then going into his junior year, obviously it's the COVID season, right? So things are weird. Don't even know if there's going to be a Big Ten season. I think he actually had opted out at one point when, you know, there wasn't going to be a season. And then they say, OK, the Big Ten is back. So he opted back in. Then he got COVID over the summer. And he's a guy, I believe he has asthma. So it really, they say, articles say that like COVID really took a toll on him. He lost like 10, 15 pounds. Then he comes back, tries to play. Still had a decent season, put up decent numbers, but not like his sophomore season. So I think uh, in a normal season, take away COVID, take away all that, he would have had another just a huge year in Minnesota and he probably could have been a, you know, a top 15 pick in the first round of the draft. So uh, I was hoping the Ravens were going to take him. Obviously a lot of mocks had the Ravens taking a, a wide receiver first round. Uh, I was hoping I, I wasn't entirely, I wasn't too uh, sure they were actually going to make the pick, but yeah, I think he can bring a lot of aspects to the Ravens offense that they're missing kind of that all around wide receiver, you know, Marquise Brown is the speedster, but uh, he's, you know, he's five, nine, 175 pounds. So uh, like you said, you need that other weapon to kind of take away some of the coverage from Marquise. And I think that 
that's really what Rashad's going to do. So really excited. I feel like the Ravens haven't had a wide receiver prospect like Rashad Bateman, like a, just a complete wide receiver. He's like, he's six, two, six, three, can run a four, four, 40. And I think he's just a polished route runner and a guy that the Ravens haven't really had on their roster in recent years. So really excited to see what, what Bateman can do this year. That's going to be fun to watch. And I think like last year's season for Mark Andrews was just an anomaly. I think he's going to get back to that stud form that he had um, in the 2019 campaign. Um, 2020 was just such an odd year. He had a lot of drop passes, a lot of drop touchdowns, but he's still, he's still put up nearly double digit touchdowns. I can't remember exactly what, what he had. I think it was around eight, uh, maybe a little more than that, but he still had a really solid overall season, but there was a lot of meat left on the table. So, you know, you add Bateman into the mix, you get Andrews back to, um normal form open it up for hollywood brown and i mean just tweak a little bit get a little more creative for the, on the passing front and it's going to be interesting to watch because you still got gus edwards and jk dobbins right there in the backfield uh looks like they're going to split carries between them they married um married up to J not jk dobbins but uh, gus edwards for a couple more years it's only 10 million dollars but that's a decent bit of um of change for a running back um in your thoughts were you a fan of the Gus Edwards signing um do you like loading up in the backfield with that style of offense or would you have preferred to see J.K. Dobbins just unleashed yeah so it's that's a tough question and I think a lot of Ravens fans are kind of split on that um Gus Edwards is a beast like if you watch Gus Edwards (laughs) consistently picks up five six seven yards of carry the guy's just like a bowling ball he just he's consistently and having Lamar Jackson as your quarterback that helps right It, it it takes it takes some some coverage away. It has guys keeping an eye on him, keeping their eyes on Lamar in the backfield. But Gus, like I said, he's a beast. Uh, I actually, his, his numbers are crazy. I pulled these up because I wanted to make sure I got these right. He has been a guy who's been so consistent his first three years in the NFL. So you look at his rookie year, came in as a undrafted free agent, uh, 137 carries for 718 yards. Okay. Year two, 133 carries, 711 yards. And then year three, 144 carries, 723 yards. Right. So he's wow. consistently been around like 130, 140 carries. And he's consistently turning out like 700, uh, again, 718, 711, 723. The guy's been so consistent. So um, I think Gus is in for a similar year. You know, last year, 20 or 2019, he was doing it behind Mark Ingram. This year, he's going to be doing it behind J.K. Dobbins. I do think J.K. is going to, he's not going to be running the ball 25 times a game you look at the end of last year when finally the Ravens released Mark Ingram or they didn't release him to the end of the year but they really said okay you know Dobbins and Gus are going to be our guys he was getting like maybe 14 15 16 carries a game so that's where I see JK and then Gus is just going to be that guy who's he's going to come in and in the fourth quarter, when the Ravens have already run the ball 20, 25 times, he's going to come in and, again, consistently, all the guy does is pick up positive yards. So for a fantasy perspective, it's not ideal having two guys uh, kind of they're, – they're both going to perform. Might be a situation you want to draft both of them, obviously. But I'm also really high on J.K. Dobbins. I loved watching him at Ohio State. I think he's a perfect fit for the Ravens' offense. Gus or uh, JK was the guy he uh, him and Alvin Kamara, I believe are the only two 
rookies to ever come into the NFL and average six yards per carry on over a hundred carries. So that's pretty impressive averaging. I think he was right at six yards per carry had like 120 carries. So um, these guys are both just beasts. I think if one of them were to get hurt, the other could have a monster year, but in the end, I like having Gus Edwards as the guy you want on your team, especially if you're the Ravens running the ball like they do. So I see Lamar Jackson, Lamar probably runs for around a thousand yards himself Dobbins might hit that thousand and I'm having Gus Edwards coming in six, 700 yards as well. So um, not many teams can probably say they're going to have three guys on their roster end up with over 700 yards rushing, but the Ravens are a different team, right? So I'm excited to watch those guys. But again, if one were to go down, I think the other is destined to put up a huge, whether it's like 1200 yards or something. So um, again, just, I think the Ravens, they're built on the run game. So you might as well load up there because that's what they do. That's not going to change. And that's going to be a strength of the team. I think a lot of people and myself included at times really jumped at the conclusion that why would you sign Gus Edwards, right? JK Dobbins is extremely explosive, but you kind of, um, rattled off some stats right there that really kind of support the argument for Gus Edwards. I did find this stat interesting on top of what you said. He had a 52% usage rate in one score games, 14% in large leads, nine to 13 points, and then 27% blowout leads, uh, 14 or more points. So they really value him and not just one score of games protecting the lead. His usage, usage rate was larger than all other running backs in large lead and blowout games. And he was really edging up there near J.K. Dobbins in those uh, one-score games. Um, he's a little less useful in uh, if they're trailing in comeback mode. Makes sense. Not much of a pass catcher, et cetera. Um, but I do think that's something that's really interesting to see when the game is close, they get near the goal line, yeah. um, and they're trying to protect the lead. It's Gus Edwards. That's all you got to say. And then they commit to him financially. Yeah. Yeah. Feed, feed the beast, right? Like just, just feed the guy. He's going to pick up again, five, six, seven yards to carry. And it's what the Ravens do. The Ravens, they've obviously, they've won a lot of games the past few seasons. They're playing with the lead and you want to have guys that are consistently picking up first downs, moving the ball, eating away at the clock. And again, he's a guy you, you want on your team for the Ravens and the style of offense they play. So let's kind of shift towards the division as a whole. Um, let's get focused on the AFC North for a moment. You got the Bengals, Steelers, um, obviously your Ravens and the up and coming Browns. I think the Browns are legit now. Um, I'm not sold on the Bengals yet. I think they're fun to watch. I want to stack them in fantasy, um, have a good time with them. I like to watch them, but they're probably only winning five or six games in my book. Steelers, Everyone feels old, great organization. We'll see. Feels like a 500 team. Um, to me, it feels like it comes down to the Browns and the Ravens, two very talented teams. Um, the Browns seem to continue to improve. They're built really well, tough, physical. They want to run the ball, run it differently than you guys do. Um, what is kind of your thoughts on the division as a whole? How do you kind of see, I know as a fan, those are your rivals. So um, you don't want to be too unbiased here, but what are kind of your thoughts on how the Browns have been built, uh, the state of the Steelers, and do you really expect much from the Bengals? Um, and then maybe a little prediction on the AFC North. Sure. Yeah. I think your analysis is, is actually spot on. Um, I, I'm similar with the Bengals. Um, Joe Burrow's legit. I mean, that guy can play. 
but mm-hmm. they they're still I think missing uh, many pieces before they're competing plus in a, in a really good division when you look at it I mean like you said Ravens are gonna I think be solid the Browns are up and coming and made the playoffs last year this team this division I'm sorry had three playoff teams because like obviously Cleveland and Pittsburgh last year in that first round game uh, very entertaining game but mm-hmm. yeah so anyway Cleveland uh, they're they're up and coming and it's kind of painful to say after watching <laughs> the Browns be so bad for so long. But they've built a really good roster Um, on paper. I would say a lot of people um, from an unbiased perspective for me, it might be hard to admit this, but the Browns are probably better than the Ravens. And they're probably the best team in the division on paper. You just look at, you know, uh, they signed Jadavian Clowney. They got Miles Garrett. So their defensive lines just potentially dominant, made some good free agent signings on defense. And then on offense, they have a heck of an offensive line. Those guys are just maulers and, uh, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt are two beasts as running backs, and Baker is a solid quarterback who had a good year last year. So the Browns are up and coming. Um, I do feel that, you know, the Ravens, they swept the Browns last year. So I still have that mindset of, like, they're still the Browns, you know. Like, I'm not going to be too scared of them. But on paper, um, now they have a heck of a roster, and I think it's going to come down to the Ravens and the Browns in the division. And then, like you said, the Steelers, the Steelers are probably going to have a really good defense. Um, that, That doesn't really change much, but Ben has gotten older, so. So I don't know how much he has left in the tank. They had no running game last year, did draft uh, Najee Harris. So maybe that, you know, gives them a, you know, a, a boost there. But I see the Steelers, um, it's probably like an eight and eight, or I guess this year where that, that throws me off and maybe like a nine and eight <laughs> ad, adding, adding a regular season game. I hadn't really thought about that, but I see the Steelers as like a 500 team. I mean, maybe if everything goes right, they're pushing for a wild card, but I just see them, uh, they're struggling a little bit and same the Bengals. Like I said, I think they're a few years off. So, um, don't, don't see that. Maybe, uh, if you know, Burrow stays healthy, they have add a couple wins to their total from last year, but yeah, at the top of the division, I see the Ravens and I see the Browns. And I don't think any team's going to have a dominant, like a, like a 14 and two year, whatever that would be with an added game. Can't do math right now, but um, I think, (laughs) I think it's going to come down to those teams um, and probably some head to head matchups. I I, I think if I remember right, the Ravens actually play the Browns two out of three weeks. So it'll be a really weird time where like those games are be super important and um yeah it'll it'll be again i think a solid division and uh excited to watch it play out but yeah definitely it's kind of weird to say like man the browns have a really good roster like i I never thought i'd say those words but you look at them on paper they're they're a solid team and kevin stefanski i think is he's a really good coach and um he asked them he had them playing well last year yeah yeah really he really did um smart coach i think uh gm andrew barry i think is his name really smart, uh, building it with an analytical approach, kind of similar to what the Ravens have done. I know, I know the style is different because it's, it's Baker and not Lamar, but um, in terms of, I think the process, there's some similarities there. And I think that's, what's going to lead them to having similar seasons, whether it's uh, 11 and six, instead of 11 and five, that's been throwing me off all the time too. <laughs> yeah. Instead of saying, so it was a 500 team. There are no 500 teams anymore. You're either eight, and nine or nine and eight. Um, right. So that's, that's going to take some getting used to. So, before we wrap up here, um, this is a, a a fantasy football pod, DFS specifically. I mostly focus on DraftKings, all that stuff. You mentioned fantasy a few moments ago. You know, st- stacking the Ravens back uh, backfield. Are you big into fantasy? What are you know? You get into it real big, play a lot of leagues. What's kind of your approach there? 
Yeah, so I've always enjoyed playing fantasy. First got into it probably in high school with some buddies. We had a league going. And then um, the league I'm most consistent in now is actually a league from some of my college buddies that we that we keep up. So normally I have like one league that I'm taking pretty serious and then maybe have a second league where I'm, you know, paying attention to it a little bit. But yeah, enjoy, enjoy fantasy and um, love love watching my Ravens on Sunday, but red zone. So incredible to keep, keep your eye on the other games around the league, keep an eye on your players. So um, yeah, love, love fantasy. I do not know how people survive before red zone. (laughs) That's a great question. I don't know either. Like my wife will come home and I'll be sitting on the couch. I'll have the Ravens game on the big screen. I'll have red zone on my laptop or my iPad, or even we set up the second TV. Sometimes she's an Eagles fan. So maybe keep an eye on the Eagles, but uh, yeah, I have no idea how people existed before red zone. I could sit in front of a TV from like 1 PM till 4:30 games ended like 7 8 o'clock. And I could watch red zone all day. I love it. Nothing better. So, so I'm in the Philly market as well on the Jersey side of things last year. Um, I think there was, you had like the Colts and Ravens playing each other at one point, And then you had um, Rogers and Tom Brady matching up. It was like an afternoon of amazing games. And because we're in the Philly market had that stupid giants versus Eagles game, which is typically a good game, but they're both awful. <laughs> last year. I mean, the NFC East was awful last yeah. year, just as a whole. So any game was not fun to watch. Um, <laughs> But that's what was on. I was thinking, my God, how did people do this before? I, I just flip over to red zone. But could you imagine if Rodgers and Brady are playing each other and you just can't watch it because you live 45 minutes from Philly? Um, I, I can't imagine. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. So being able to even just like Sunday ticket, whether you have that or whatnot, or just keeping up with the game, keeping up with the score, I can't imagine. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always hoping that the Eagles and the Ravens are playing at different times, because if the Ravens are at one and the Eagles are at four, there's a better chance that the Ravens are on, you know, CBS and I can watch it without having to find some feed to watch it on in Philly. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, you, you know how that is. I will say for, for the people out there, um, again, Jeff and I went to college together, lived on the same dorm. So that's kind of how uh, we knew each other. He was, he was a year behind me. Um, but I do recall even coming as a freshman, he was, he was on that stream life. Like we were all pretty sure we all had viruses on our computer. Um, I can't even remember. I think it was like ATD, HENet or something like that. Like there's no, there's no way we didn't all have viruses on our computer trying to watch a football game. It was that's bad. that's exactly right. You know, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I've been so worried sometimes. Like I got a new laptop. Oh, I can't use my new laptop to watch the game because I'm probably gonna get a virus. But I mean, that's what we do. We're sports fans, right? We gotta watch our teams play, even if we're watching on some website with 20, you know, pop-ups throughout the game. So. Sometimes it's a struggle now still using those sites, but I, I almost just laugh sometimes thinking like, man, I'm like been out of college for like four or five years and I'm still using these same websites that I was using back then to watch my teams play. But it is what it is. That's what happens when you're a fan of teams that you don't live in their city. But uh, that's the that's talk for, for another, another podcast. <laughs> good times, good memories. I still do it too, trying to hunt down a Carolina game in basketball season. Um, but Jeff, I appreciate you hopping on. You've been phenomenal. Loved uh, breaking down the Ravens here with you. Uh, really appreciate you giving your opinions and just uh, bringing the analysis. Um, you've definitely been a joy to have on here. So I do appreciate it. Why don't you tell the people where they can find you? Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter. It's uh, Jeff underscore Tolson. A lot of, uh, a lot of Baltimore tweets and whatnot. So uh, that would be my, my main, main account.
absolutely you guys go check him out he's he's very active on there um jeff thank you again so much folks you know where you can find me at cody Engel on twitter find us at roster media on twitter roster media on facebook uh check us out rosterupmedia.com we got plenty of shows launching uh bills giants lions all have went live in the past week plenty of panthers content giants articles um a lot more coming your way from rosterupmedia.com bye folks